Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. But we looked Wednesday night and we saw that all of our difficulties, that we should rejoice in them because they are an opportunity for us to bring glory to God. So I thank God for allowing me to be in this place today. I thank God uh, for allowing me to stand pastoring for 20 years. I, I, I was talking to Pastor Gene Dillon today and this morning in my office before we came out and we were trying to figure out how many people we even know uh, other than me and him. He, he's pastored uh, the Mount Zion Church for 28 years. Today is 20 years pastoring here. That's a long time. Isn't that a long time? That is a, that is, that is a long time, but it is not, I, I can tell you, and I, I'm on record and if you've ever heard me talk about Pastor Gene, you've heard me say he's, he's the holiest man I know. He's the prayingest man I know. He's the best man I know. Uh, I, w- I won't say this about him, but I'll say it about me. It's only by God's grace that he allowed me to still be pastoring. Um, as I, I've made so many mistakes over 20 years. I've, 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 shown, I've shown my behind so many times in 20 years. I've, I've, I've let people know that I'm human too much. And in, in, in and through all of that, God has continued to love me and be faithful to me. And I will continue to tell you what I've told you since day one. He has been better to me than I deserve. And I hope you know he's been better to you than you deserve. Um, our administrator thought it would be cool. It's always good to have your big sister to blame everything on. If we had a we had a special guest pastor come in and preach on our twentieth anniversary, we don't really do anniversaries here. The church doesn't give me uh, a dime. I, I don't. I mean, we we've run such a similar course. Pastor Gene Dillon is the only person outside my mother and my sister. He's the only person in this room that's known me longer than I've had children. Uh, we've, we've been meeting together and praying together and been each other's accountability partners and been best friends for, for uh, over 20 years now. It's a long time back, back to those days when we first got together. We walked every street in Clay County and passed out Bibles. Remember those days? They put us on the news. We were getting chased by a lot of dogs in Middleburg. <laughs> the first time I ever saw a sign like this, I wanted to try it. I was younger. We were young men back then. I didn't have any injuries back then. And we were just going and giving people Bibles. And we weren't soliciting them for a church. He wasn't inviting them to his church. We, we were just wanting to get the Word of God. I got a grant from the American Bible Society. And we got thousands of Bibles. And we were just passing out Bibles. And the first time I ever saw a sign like this, uh, I wanted to try it. I wouldn't try it now. Thank God I didn't try it then. But it said, my dog can get to this gate in under two seconds, can you? And I thought, well, how big a dog is he? Today, I just leave, leave that alone. But we've traveled uh, through, through many different seasons in our life together. And when Dina said we ought to have somebody 
uh, come and preach. There's only one person that I would truly just enjoy sitting down listening to uh, preach, and that, that is my dear friend, Pastor Gene Dillon. The Bible says that you ought to give honor to whom honors do. I can tell you this for sure. One of the greatest comforts I've had, and I've shared this with my family, uh, I've shared this with the staff, is that I know no matter what's going on in my life, no, no matter what, what's happening in my world, that there is a Christian man on the west side of Jacksonville calling my name before God. And that means so much to me. And I love you. Why don't you stand on your feet? Put your hands together for my friend, the man of God, and our speaker for this hour, Pastor Gene Dillon. Morning. Good morning. What a pleasure it is to be here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship for the 20th anniversary. I was there before Abundant Life was, and I was there the day that it started. I remember looking at a man that was going to take a swing at it. Wasn't necessarily where he wanted to start a church, how he wanted to start a church, how he wanted to begin in the ministry of a pastor, but it was God's plan. He recognized it as God's plan, and he, he did it. 20 years, 20 years. Now, that may not mean a lot to a lot of you, but I know what that means. I'm there. I've been there. I've been through this. And I want you to know as this congregation I'm going to try to give you a little bit of insight this morning on the life of a pastor. I'm going to tell you why this man does what he does. I don't know another pastor anywhere in this city or anywhere in this country that values this more than that man sitting right there. Do you know how important that is? To have somebody like that be your pastor? Has he made mistakes? Have I made mistakes? Have you made mistakes? Yes. He values this more than I could ever put into words this morning. How do I know that? Because for 20 years I've watched him. 
for 20 years, I've watched him preach. I've watched him teach. I've watched him stand on that word. I've watched him take this word and lead people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in restaurants, in parking lots, in church buildings, and for behind pulpits with this word. And for that, my friend, I am grateful. Because you can look far and you can look wide. And you will not find many that preaches the gospel of the Bible the way it's written in this book. It is full of compromise because they will take they will cherry pick scriptures and to fit their narrative and what they how they want to motivate people. The word says what it says and it means what it means. And I'm telling you, Pastor Scott Becker knows that and that's what he preaches. And I admire him for that far above anything else. And I want you to know that, that your pastor, your shepherd, this man of God, values this word more than you would ever know. 20 years. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, you know, what an accomplishment to start with nothing in Clay Hill, Florida. And preach the gospel in different venues, in different areas of this city, but, and the venues have changed, and the people have changed, but the word that he has preached has remained the same. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Pastor Scott and I have had this conversation a lot. Him and I know how to build a huge church with a lot of people. We know how to do that. We know the formula. But within that formula to do that, a lot of times you have to compromise something. And one thing you have to compromise sometimes is the truth. Because the truth is not always pleasant. This, this, this does not say it coddles you. It says this is a sword. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it doesn't just cut through the flesh and the marrow. It does something spiritually, and people don't like it when this does something spiritually. And I don't know if you can do this and grow the type of church in America that every pastor kind of hopes that they can grow. It doesn't matter whether it's two or 20,000. That man, your pastor will stand before God one day, and he'll give account, not for how big his church was. He'll give an account for the way he preached this word. And I believe, with all that I am, he has stood faithful in doing so. And for that, I am grateful. Some would say, you know, man, uh, must be nice, 20 years in ministry. Man, that must be nice to be able to just be a pastor for 20 years in ministry. Can I first of all say to all those people who think that, you are stupid. No, I'm sorry, ignorant. <laughs> that word stupid just flew right out of my mouth. You are completely ignorant to the fact of what pastors may have to go through. 
completely, completely unaware of what our struggles are. And they are real. And they are constant. And it is heavy. It is burdensome. Three point five years. That's the average time a pastor stays at a church. Three, and I think they're—I think it's less than that. I think they're fudging the numbers a little bit. Three point five years. They stay at a church. Why is that? I think at the end of this message, the answer of why he does it is the same reason that some don't stay at a church any more than three years. 1,700 pastors a month quit and never go back to ministry. 1,700 a month. 1,400 a month are fired by lukewarm deacons that think it's their job to hire and fire a pastor instead of wait tables and take care of the widows. I don't know there's any deacons in here, but you can take that to the bank because ain't nowhere in the Bible says you're hiring and firing anybody. Waste some tables, find some widows, and take care of them and meet the needs of the people, be an encouragement to your pastor so he does not have to leave the study of God's word to go do what you're supposed to be doing. And that goes for church members too, you know, get out there. Because one thing you want this man doing is praying for you and studying for you. That's what you want. That's what you need. There's an article I just want to read to you um, about, I never bring my phone in church or anything, but I don't feel like writing it down, so. <laughs> there is an article that the Schaefer Institute put out. And they did a survey And this is what it says in the survey. There is no lack of statistics about pastors and depression and burnout and health and low pay spiritually, burnout, relationships, and longevity. And none of them are good. Here it said a bunch of studies on all these things, and none of them are good. Now, again, before I'm going to say this again, I believe these numbers are low because they surveyed people, and pastors will also lie. So, so they will also lie when you start getting in their business. They're not going to tell you certain things. So, so this is set, this is, these statistics are based on people that told the truth. According to the Schaefer Institute, 70% of pastors constantly fight depression. 71% are suffering from what's called burnout. Meanwhile, 70% of pastors say they only study the Bible when they are preparing for sermons. I, I just have to lie about that one. That's all if I saw I did. I just, <laughs> I mean, if you, if you only get a, if you don't get to read your Bible study for sermons, you might as well lie about that statistic right there. So, um, I thank God that's not uh, Pastor Scott Becker. 
80% believe pastoral ministry has had a negative effect on their families. That's also cannot be true. It's, it's higher than 80%. 70% say they don't have one close friend. 70% not one close friend. The Schaefer Institute also reports that 80% of seminary and Bible school graduates will leave the ministry within five years and never return. Now, those things are true. I want you to know that. They are true to the up degree. You know why those 80% that came out of seminary after going to Bible college to be pastors, do you know why they went into ministry within five years they left and never went back into ministry? Because they had the same idea that a lot of other people has. It'd be cool to be a pastor. It's not cool to be. It is with some people it seems to be pretty cool, but it is not cool to be a pastor because you're not doing it to be cool. You're not doing it to be anybody. You're doing it for a purpose, for a call, and for a reason, for the glorification of God through his son, Jesus Christ, that he would be lifted up so all people could be drawn into him. That's why we do this. So let's get back to the purpose Let's just, I tell you what, let's get back to some more preacher stuff just for a minute because I want you to know this as a congregation. Coming from somebody that has, has went through the same things. Him and I talk and we hold each other accountable. I'm thankful that I've got a man that I can call anytime, no matter where I am, no matter where he is. And if I need him, he's on his way. If I need him, he's going to do anything within his power. You know what? I know it says that 70% don't have a friend. Not one. You got one right here. I want you to know that. And nobody's going to change that. So let's talk a few things that pastors do. Let's talk about your children in ministry. Pulling your Pulling your children through ministry and what they see. Now, you try to shield them as much as you can. But they're smarter than we think they are, and they see more, and they know more, and it changes them. What is it that changes them? I think what changes them is how cruel people can be. I wish it wasn't so, but it is. How cruel people can be to my dad. I've got children, I know. The fact that our children will still serve the Lord Jesus Christ after dealing with 20, 25, 28 years of what I call abuse in ministry for the pastor's family, the fact that they would serve God in any facet blows my mind. But I want you to know something. The gospel is true, young man, the gospel is true. No matter what anybody else says or does or how they act, 
The gospel is true. It is right. You follow it all of your life. You commit your life to it. You give yourself to it. You serve him diligently. If the whole world forsakes Christ, you serve him. No matter what people did, that matters not. It's what you do with the gospel, what you do with the gospel, what I do with the gospel. That's what matters. Don't you let people hinder that. You just keep serving. Keep serving. Your help. Pastor Scott gets up here and he's pretty broke up, brother. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> but you know what he does? You know what he's doing in his office when he got up out of his seat? He stood. You know what he does? He walks right up on this platform. He grabs this microphone, and the first thing he does is does something he hates doing, making announcements. But he does it. And then he preaches this word. Through any type of pain and suffering, and I respect that. I respect that man of God more than you know. And I hope that you as a congregation appreciates that no matter what has come his way, and there has been huge adversities. that he has always stood behind the Lord's desk and preached this word. Why he does that, we're going to get to in just a few moments. Most pastors that have smaller churches, again, we know how to, Bill, we're just going together right now, and we can just do whatever we need to do, and we'll, we can have thousands of people in no time but neither one is willing to compromise the truth. Most pastors of smaller churches have no health insurance. That's 80%. No health insurance, no life insurance, no savings, and no retirement. Again, just letting you see behind the curtain here a little bit. Now, they carry that with them while they are ministering to people. They have none of this stuff, and yet they continue on. I believe it's important that, you, that the body of Christ, the church, no matter what the size, takes care of the man of God now, and they take care of him in the future. So how do we do that? You find out what his needs are. You find out what his needs are, and you take care of him. Well... I don't really know how to make that happen. Why? Why don't you know how to make that happen? We know how to make everything else happen. We know how to, we know how to um, build buildings that we don't have the money to build. We know how to buy properties. We know how to feed tens of thousands of people a year and don't have the resources. We know, we know how to do all of this, and it's not because people don't want to. It's because a lot of times they just don't think about it. Churches don't think about that. In the midst of all these outreaches, missions all over the world, the banners all over the backyard, uh, the food ministry, thousands of people a month being fed through the food ministry, all of these things going on, in the midst of that, there is a shepherd that has led this church to those things. That may be in the midst of it, and he may be suffering in some areas of his life. Whether that be physically, 
emotionally, financially, whatever it may be. I don't know. Don't let that happen here. I probably should have preached this 20 years ago when you first started. Sorry about that. Sorry, preacher. <laughs> I just kind of popped in my mind. Don't, don't let that happen. You can, make, you can make it happen. And I know Pascal doesn't like me talking about these type of things, and he might not invite me back again, but I think it's something that needs to be talked about from a pastor that has went without insurance and life insurance and health insurance and, and all of that worried I was going to get sick and have to go to the emergency room and bankrupt me for years. And the church kept giving to Ecuador, and, the, and, 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 and that's good, that's fine, but don't let your pastor suffer in the midst of all these ministries and outreaches. Please. It's not because you're bad people, not because you mean to do it, it's not because church mean to do it. They just, they're so thinking about all that other stuff and they forget there's a man in their midst that does not need to be concerned about certain things that the church is able to take care of. Now, how that goes forward, I don't know. That's your business. I'm just throwing it out there and you handle it the way you want to handle it. And if you want me to come to a meeting, I'll tell you how to handle it. <laughs> nah. So when we were in our, in our 20s um, and doing this, we never thought about maybe retiring one day. Never crossed our mind. We're, we're in our 20s. We're out there, uh, 20s, early 30s. I've, you, Retirement, who cares about that? But now that retirement could be a little bit upon us, Pascal might not want to retire. But if he does want to retire one day, what are you going to do? What if he does want to retire? What is the church's responsibility? We do have a responsibility. I know. I pastored a church for 28 years, and I've had zero retirement. Zero. Never planned for it. But what happens when we realize that somebody younger and smarter and uh, with a lot more energy, that maybe they can do this? What, what's the church's responsibility for retirement? I'm going to tell you something. You would think, well, would you just live by faith? No, you live by faith. Don't you try to live by faith for me. All right, it's funny, everybody talking about somebody else living by faith. You live by it for you, not me, not him. Because I'm going to tell you, in the back of my mind for the last 10 years, because I'm not 28 anymore, now I'm closer to 60 than I am 50, and in the back of my mind, what am I going to do if I can't do this or I don't do this anymore? The question is, to Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, what are you going to do? Because that, I'm telling you, uh, listen to me. That is a burden that you can take off this man's mind. And the more you can do that, the more effective he can be in doing what he desires to do. And that's that preach that word. I'm going to let you know something that 
This man right here that you have as your pastor is not a hireling. He's not a hireling. He's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if for some reason he could not do it here anymore, or y'all rose up against him and said, we don't want you here anymore, do you know what he would do? He would go somewhere and preach the gospel to somebody. Because I've seen him do it in a building, outside a building, in a car, in a restaurant. If you could, if we could, if you could take the, if smaller churches could take the burden of pastors off their shoulder, because it's on the back of our mind. We don't say anything, maybe. We don't do anything. People, are cl- close, people close to us may know, but we don't do anything about it. So the question is, all right, well, if you're here today and you're thinking about being a pastor, I've probably changed your mind, and if I can change your mind, you're not called, so why don't you go do something else? Because people that are called by God, by His Spirit, and they want to preach the Word of God, no man can stop you from doing it. But I will say this, this ain't no joke. It's no joke the first day in it, but after about three years, the honeymoon wears off, and that's when it really gets nasty. So why would he do this? Why would I do this? Why would people continue to do this for 20 years? Why? Why would we risk our family? Why um, would, would he not quit after three years like most do? Why would he continue to be forsaken by people that he led to the Lord and baptized and was there when they had surgeries and and loved them through the hardest times of their life? Why in the world would he continue um, to do this? Why? Why would he... Be abused and keep doing it? Why would he not pursue a professional career, which you and I both know he could, could have pursued a long time ago and been anything he wanted to be? Why would he continue after 20 years? After I've just read this small, tiny list. Oh, you want to oh, hear, hear some heartache? Just meet us after church. We'll tell you about some heartache. This is a small list. This is a taste. This is a fraction. I want you to know from a pastor what pastors go through. Maybe the ones that only say three years has, has something going on. Maybe they're smarter than we are. Three years, you can have about 80 sermons, preach them, go somewhere else and preach 80 more. Don't have to put up with a bunch of devils. And if you have to put up with devils, you don't have to put up with it for a little while because you can be gone another three years. But that's not, that's not somebody that's called. That's somebody that's a hireling. Somebody that's called is going to preach until God says do something different. And I believe that when God does say do something different, he doesn't mean stop preaching. He means maybe just a different venue or something of that nature. So why would Pastor Scott Becker do all of this? Why would we have conversations in the middle of the night about, man, I don't know what I'm going to do, and uh, laying awake at, late at night, not, not being able to sleep, concerned about 
people and about situations in our church. Why in the world would any human being put himself up for that? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, you want to know why he does it? Verse 15, and he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That's why he does it. That's why. That's why true gospel preachers do that. That's why. Because the preaching of the gospel leads people to Christ and Christ's salvation. And those that will reject that will be damned to hell forever. That's pretty important. That's the call for every true gospel preacher. I'm not talking about these motivational speakers. I'm not talking about these ones that don't preach, that don't do any expository preaching. I was here last week, and man, it's so refreshing because we've been, you know, we, I've been in a bunch of uh, several different churches, and it's so refreshing. The words are up there on the screen, and he's not cherry picking to prove his point. He is doing, ex he's doing expository preaching, word upon word, syllable upon syllable. This means that. But what's what's he say pay attention to the punctuation it's there for your perfection expository preaching do you know how rare that is but do you know how valuable that is I hope you know how valuable that is this is why he does what he does I wanted to read all of that first before I read this scripture because I wanted you to get in your mind, why would anybody, is he crazy? We say it all the time. You're either called or you're crazy if you're doing this any more than a minute. Any, if you do it past the first deacon's meeting then, and, and you're not called, you are crazy. For the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because those that receive it shall be saved and those that do not receive it shall they'll go to hell. That's the importance of it. That's why you should pray for this man and take care of this man because he is preaching the truth. I'm going to tell you something. This fluffy, weird stuff that's being preached by these cool-looking preachers, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you, if, you don't, if you go to church for years and you never leave church with your head hanging down and your, your feet stomped on thinking, I've got to get something right with God. If you leave feeling good about yourself every time, the gospel doesn't make you feel good about yourself all the time. The gospel, the gospel pierces to the things that nobody else knows about but you. It reaches it through what? Through the preaching of that word. How will they know unless they have a preacher? Well, I'm going to tell you, you've got a gospel preacher, and he, he does very well 
at preaching the gospel because he's in love with this word. I love all these little sayings that he has. Y'all know him a hundred times, but I love one of my favorite sayings because, you know, you can get people to think they're hearing from God all the time. God's camped out at their house. God's here. God's there. Every, they're seeing God in everything. The clock's two minutes off. That's God because I'm two minutes. Come on, man. Sorry, I should have said that. <laughs> that. Listen, I love what Pastor Scott says because we talk about it all the time, man. Everybody hearing from God? I love I, One of my favorite sayings, Pastor Scott always says, you know what God sounds like? That's what he sounds like. That's what he preaches. I remember me and my wife went to a pastor's conference years ago, 1,200 senior pastors and their wives in Orlando, Florida. And we're there, and a bunch of them's there. Hagee's there, and a bunch of them's there. And we have, an inner, uh, 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 we have a time that we're able to go out into the foyer and buy their books or whatever we want to do, and we're on an intermission. And this spooky-eyed lady comes up to us. They're always there. They're, they show up. She comes up all weird-eyed and everything, and she's like, She's me and Diane. She says, I, I, thus saith the Lord. Now, I'm ready to pick a stone up at that point because if it's not true, I need your address to come back to stone you after this thing's over with. <laughs> She's all weird-eyed, crazy-eyed, and she says, thus saith the Lord. The Lord told me on this date you're going to get a financial blessing in the mail on this day that's going to change your whole life. I said, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that. We turn around and walk away. Diane said, what do you think about that? I said, we'll see you on that day. I said, I hope she's real. So I don't know, like a month and a half went by, Diane said, you know what? I don't forgot all about it. Diane says, uh, you know what day it is, don't you? I said, well, it says the day that lady down in Orlando told us that we we're going to have the check in the mail. I said, well, go check it. Let's see if she's a liar or if she heard from God because she said she was talking for God. Because she subbed us out and went out there. All we found was a doggone electric bill from JEA. <laughs> that didn't change my life. That's why it is important to know this word. That's why it's important. And I got a couple more scriptures I just want to throw there to you. I want you to read these scriptures, if you would. 2 Timothy. Chapter 3, 16 and 17, and chapter 4, 1 through 4. I want you to read those scriptures. I also want you to read Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 15. This will, these tell you why a true gospel preacher does what he does. That's why. I just have to read 2 Timothy. It says, I... I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead as appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Listen, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. That's why you can't grow a big church, because you, you reprove or you rebuke, rebuke anybody today. Oh, no, that's not happening. For the time, and this is why it's not happening. And this is the time of living. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That's why you can't grow a big church pastor right there. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. 
But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. How do you make full proof of your ministry? Right there, the answer is in the scripture that we just read. That's how. And that's how he does it. And I'm grateful to have been able to stand here today and share with you behind the curtain of small portion of what being a pastor is. And share what is the greatest hope of humanity and the only hope of humanity that ever was and ever will be, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But how will they know unless they have a preacher? How will they know who's going to tell them true gospel preachers are going to tell them everybody else is liars and don't care about their soul, but a true gospel preacher cares about the soul of mankind. So he will preach his truth because he knows that is their only hope. Because our hope is not on this earth, it is off this earth. And we should not be so in love with this, we forget. There is a kingdom to come. And the only way we get there is responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So my hope is that if you're here today, that if you don't know Christ, that you will respond to the gospel. For God gave his son for you. He died and rose again. There is no other way. He said, I am the door which all of mankind must pass through. You cannot get there by being a good person. Good people, they don't make it to heaven. Safe folk make it to heaven. So my hope is that if you've never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, that today you would put your trust in him. You would repent and you would turn to him and serve him the rest of your life. That's my hope. And my hope is that you would take care of my friend. That you would love him and pray for him. That you would encourage him. That you would take some burden off of him. That you would take some things off his plate that he does not have to be burdened about. And if you want to know what will bless a, a preacher, invite me to a meeting. You want to know what they need, invite me. Or just ask him because he's better equipped to tell you what he needs even than I am. My hope is you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and you would also respond to the challenge of loving your pastor and praying for him and meeting his needs. Don't muzzle him as he does this work. Make sure that you support him and love him. 20 years, and I want you to remember I said this, 20 years ain't no joke. It ain't no joke. But he's done it, he's here, and he's done it by not compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for that, I am grateful. Love you, brother. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I appreciate that. I love you so much. Sister Diane, I appreciate you taking care of him all these years, keeping him straight, being the voice of God in his life. Never knew how uncomfortable these chairs could be. <laughs> Let 
Lord have mercy. How do y'all do it? How do y'all do it? Man, my neck's locked up. I thank God for allowing me to serve him. And I hope that you can just get a glimpse of the reality that it is a privilege to speak the name of Jesus. It is a privilege to be able to call the one true God my God. When Jesus was leaving the earth, he said, I go to my Father and your Father. And I hope you have a my Father relationship with God today. I hope you have a my God relationship. This means, come on, Judy. Five, five times is all I can give you. Thank God for faithful people. Do you have a my father relationship with the true and living God? Because if you don't, church will do you no good. Trying to be a good person will do you no good. Trying to turn over a new leaf and take on new responsibilities. See, this is, this is where people miss it, and I don't want you to miss it. And I'm not going to keep you long, but I want you to understand where most people miss it. They try to make changes on the outside, hoping that some kind of way it will change them on the inside. Oh, and we all need change on the outside. We do. We, 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 need, we need to do more of the right stuff and less of the wrong stuff. We get that. People come to church and they know, I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to get involved more. I need to give. I need to live right, give right, act right, serve right, be right, do right, love right. All those things. But if you're trying to do that on the outside and nothing's been changed on the inside, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Well, it might work for a minute. But here's, here's the difference. And, and, I, and I hope you're in on the right side of this equation. Because some people come to church hoping church will change them. Hoping church will help make them a better person. Hoping if they start doing a few things differently that life will get better for them. That type of life will not get you heaven forever. Here's what Christianity is about. See, I've told you many times before, but religion is man's attempt to reach up and grab hold of God. But Christianity is God reaching down and grabbing hold of man. And if you're here and you're trying to reach up and grab hold of God by being a better person or trying to, trying to, I, I hear people tell me all the time, Pastor, I ask people wherever I go, are you a Christian? Are you born again? Are you saved? And I've heard so many people say, I'm trying to be. That's not how it works. You don't try to be. You are or you're not. You is or you ain't. But there's too many people in churches trying to become a better person. Trying to find a way to become a Christian. And you don't become a Christian little by little. You don't become saved little by little. You don't, you don't learn a few tricks and, and, and verses. You don't learn a few 
cliches and all of a sudden just morph into a Christian. Christianity is a birthing experience. It comes forth in an instant. And, and the Bible says you must be born again. You can try to be a better person in your own. You can try to make changes on the outside on your own. But you'll find frustration. And you'll find yourself looking at other people and nitpicking them and fault-finding them. And because it's so burdensome to try to change on the outside with no power on the inside. But there's a different way. And it's the way of the gospel. It's the way of God. It's the way of, hear me good, quitting. And I believe God wants some people in this room today to quit some stuff. Some of you need to quit trying to become a Christian and just let God into your life so you can become a Christian. The Bible says, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ on the inside? I've heard it said this way many times, and it was true then and it's still true now. So many people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. The difference between their head and their heart. People know things about God. Everyone in this room knows something about God. But it's not about giving mental assent to the facts. It's not about just having an intellectual idea of who God is. It's about having an intimate, personal, dynamic relationship with the living God on the inside. Do you have that? If you don't have that, I've got great news for you today. God said that if you will search for him with your whole heart, you can find him. Too many people have walked aisles and prayed prayers that didn't result in salvation. Too many people have signed the back of cards saying, I have received Christ today that didn't result in real salvation. Some people have told me they're scared to walk an aisle again because they've tried so many times and it didn't work. Hear me when I tell you this. God told Jeremiah that you'll only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. I walked the aisles, prayed prayers. I've been baptized more than one time. None of that was real salvation for me. But when God really saved me, he changed me from the inside out. Oh, the outside still gets dirty. Remember what Jesus told Peter. You got to wash up your feet. Peter tried to say, no, I don't want you to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash you, you have none of me. And Peter said, then wash all of me. He said, I just need to wash your feet. That's the part that's dirty. If you're saved, you've been cleansed by the word that God has spoken to you. But that outside stuff gets back on us. If you're here and you truly are a Christian, you know that you know that you know. That you are saved for sure. That the spirit of the living God lives down on the inside of you. But some of this world's yuck has got on you. I want you to remember God said if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'll leave you with what I've been telling you for, for 20 years. I've been preaching this gospel for almost 40. This same message. Everyone in this room is only one prayer away from being perfectly right with God. That's everyone. You and 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 me. We're only one prayer away from being perfectly right with God. But here's my question. Are you willing to pray it? Everyone in this room, 
we're either saved or we're lost. There's nothing in between that. You're saved or you're lost. If you're not saved, and listen, you ought to know that you're not saved. It's that uneasiness that you have where, where the love of God, the mercy and the grace of God is so powerful that he reaches out and lets you know it is not well with your soul. Something's not right. If, if, you're, if you're not sure about your salvation, then the prayer you need to pray is a prayer of salvation, asking God to save you. And if you're here and you are saved, and there's some things in your life that need to straighten out, how, how, many, how many of y'all know that e- even, even Christians have issues that we need to get cleansed from? Amen? We've all got stuff in our life. We're all in our process. My struggle might not be the same as yours. Maybe it is. Maybe your struggle's different than mine. I don't know. But I do know that the Scripture tells us that as long as we live in this flesh, we'll always have struggle. But God's promise is that if we'd confess our sins, He would cleanse us. I I want everyone in this room to be clean before the living God today. We're all only one prayer away from having a clean slate with God. From being perfectly right with God. For some, that means getting saved today. For others, that means quitting some things today. Recommitting your life to God today. Focusing your mind back on being who God saved you to be. See, God didn't save anybody in this room so you could just get older and bitter and more churchy. He saved us so we could know Him more and more and more to transition us from one level of glory to the next level of glory closer more intimate relationship with him and I can tell you this and I I, I close with this and I mean this with all my heart before the true and living God I want the rest of my life not to be the best of my life that's, that's just that's church cliche oh I pray the rest of your life be the best of your life that's okay but I want the rest of my life to be more meaningful than what my life has been for the kingdom of God. I want the rest of my life to give God more glory than I've given Him with the last of my life. I want the rest of my life to grow closer to Him. I don't believe there's anyone that ever walked on the earth other than Jesus that knew God as intimately as the Apostle Paul did. Here's a man God used to shake continents for Christ. Here's a man God used to write half of the New Testament. And here's what he said. And I wonder if you can say it and feel it with him today. He said, I count everything else in the world as nothing. I just want to know him. And it wasn't that he didn't know who God was. He did. He knew God more than anyone. But he knew there was more. Do you believe there's more today, Christian? Do you believe there's more of God that he could reveal in your life? Do you believe there's more anointing that he could pour out on you? Do you believe there's more love that you could give him? Let's know him more. Let's love him more. Let's shine for him more. Let's tell more people about him. Let's give him more glory. One life is all we have. Video games get people used to starting over. 
game's not going how you want it to, hit restart. People go out and play golf. I don't play golf. But people go out and play golf and they, 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 they say, I'll take a mulligan. That means they'll, they'll just they'll shoot that ball over again. You don't get it in life that way. One life you have. From the youngest person in this room to the oldest person in this room. You got one life to live for God. This is it. There's no do-over. There's no restart button. All that I wish I knew then what I know now is a waste of speech. You know what you know now. What will you do with it? Are you ever really going to be the man that God wants you to be? The woman that God wants you to be? Are you ever really going to start serving Him? The way He put in your heart to. Don't you remember when you first got saved? You said you loved Him more than you loved anything else. You said you'd serve Him more than you'd serve yourself. Don't you remember when your, your salvation was fresh that all you wanted to do was to please Him and be close to Him? And then you let life crowd that out. I'm asking you today. Fall back in love with the one who loves you. And if you're not saved, give your heart to him today. No one loves you like Jesus. God showed his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to pay for your sins. You don't have to be dirty before God. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And that blood was shed for me, and it was shed for you. If you'll ask God to forgive you, he'll forgive you. If you'll ask God to save you, he'll save you. But you have to mean it. You have to want it. Christianity is a personal relationship. You can't get into heaven on mama and daddy's coattails. You can't get into heaven on the church's coattails. Grab hold of Jesus. Give him the rightful place that he deserves in your life. The true and living God. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to the cross. God, I pray, Lord, that for every person in this room right now that's not truly saved, God, I pray, Lord, that you would quicken their heart, God. That you would move on them by your spirit and give them an awareness of their need for real salvation. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Save them from the inside out. God, for every person here who is saved, Lord, I pray, God, that you forgive us of our sins, of our carnality, of our selfishness, of all of our wasted opportunities. Fill us with your spirit, God, and use us for your glory. Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you for each person who comes this way God I thank you for never giving up on me and I pray Lord that you would help us to never give up on you there's nobody like you there's no real God but you and we thank you for revealing yourself to us in Jesus name we pray amen Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org.
Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.